Well, good morning. Good morning. Well, it's one of my favorite times of year because we get a chance to just eat and not feel bad about it, just gather around the feasting table. But as we do that this week, I really want to encourage you, um, wherever you are sharing a meal this week, and I hope everyone is. And if you're not, let us know. We want to make sure everybody's in a place where they can really uh, enjoy time together. But we, I want to encourage you to be, in, to be that person around the table that really, really brings gratitude. Uh, we are Jesus followers, amen. And if you are a Jesus follower, we have so much to be thankful for. And so I want to just encourage you, uh, even if it's, uh, you know, kind of awkward, man, be that agent that says, guys, there's so much to give thanks for. Uh, And it's one of those moments in our culture, right, where the entire kind of country stops and gives thanks, which is so great. As Christians, that's an opportunity just to step up and say, hey, all good things come from him, right? All good things we have, everything, whether we realize it or not, they come from the hand of a good God who loves us. Amen. So take that moment this week. Hey, I want to ask you a question. How many of you guys have ever just noticed how sometimes momentum can shift in different things? It could be in sports. It could be, uh, you know, in a business. Um, just, it's really interesting, this phenomenon of momentum. It's this invisible energy that kind of just sometimes, like, moves, like the wind blows, Right? Uh, it could be, in a, you could be watching a, a game, right? And in that game, uh, it could just be this really kind of thing that the team you're rooting for isn't doing well. And then all of a sudden, momentum shifts, and so does the game, right? It's just this wild thing. Uh, I was thinking about, even in business, the Apple computer company, right? It, it was kind of a stagnant company doing some work, but that launch of the iPhone really launched a giant shift of momentum for Apple, uh, it can happen in movies. You can watch like your favorite character, and sometimes it's predictable, right? But the, the, the beginning of the movie is kind of a set series of setbacks, you know, and um, the, the protagonist is, is struggling, and then all of a sudden there's this shift, and now the momentum's behind him, whether it's the Avengers or whatever you're watching, right? It's this, it's this movement. And momentum can, can move positively or negatively, Right? Probably one of the biggest examples in recent history in the sports world happened in Super Bowl 51. How many of you guys recognize this picture of this poor guy? Um, Put him up there. Old Matt Ryan. I don't know if you're an Atlanta Falcons fan, and I know if you are, I am bringing up bad memories, right? But I remember watching the Super Bowl because this momentum shifted, right? Um, At at halftime, the Falcons were up 28 uh, to three over the Patriots. And I was really happy about that, okay? I'm sorry. You know, it's not that I had anything against the Patriots, but they won so much. It was just nice to see something different, right? Um, but uh, with four minutes left in the third quarter, the Patriots get their first touchdown. And the rest is history, right? It's this incredible comeback, final score. Tom Brady has led the Patriots to yet another victory. It is 28-34 overtime, right? Wow. Momentum shifts. I want to talk about spiritual momentum because I think spiritually momentum can shift too. In fact, I would like to say this on the outside of our time together. I think that every one of us either helps or hurts our spiritual momentum by the decisions that we're making. I think that every one of us are either contributing to good momentum or we're actually killing that momentum that God wants to produce in our life by the decisions and the choices that we're making. We're either helping or hurting it. But if you notice something else about momentum, there's always this key 
pivotal victory or play or like I said, product launch or something. It, there's a key moment that shifts that momentum. You know, I've, I've seen this a lot in volleyball games. Uh, for, for whatever reason, I just noticed it. It could be a really, really intense rally. The two teams are pretty well. And then there's this, this, this kill that happens. And it's like that just breaks the spirit of the other team. And then the next point just kind of roll, right? Or it could be a slam dunk or it could be a, a big hit or it could be your star player gets injured. And you're like, oh no, right? Like there's no way we can come back from that. It happens in war. In World War II, uh, we know that it's the Battle of Midway. That was the strategic victory in the, e, in, in the, in the Pacific Theater. Normandy, uh, there on the shores of France, was the key victory for the Allied powers in the Eastern or in the, in the European theater. Um, Battle of Saratoga, Battle of Gettysburg. These are these pivotal moments. And I wanna, I wanna show you spiritually a pivotal moment, a victory that could launch momentum for us, that's supposed to launch momentum for us as followers of Jesus. And it's in Romans chapter eight. I want you to look at this. We've been in Romans eight a lot last week. I wanna look at this right here and launch us into today because I'm talking about spiritual momentum today and I'm asking some hard questions about where we're at with this momentum, all right? So now, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. How many of us are glad about that? That man, I do not have to worry about being condemned because brother, I've done, a, I've done a few things that I would be very worried about if I had to stand in front of God based on that, right? There's now no condemnation. We, guys, we should stop the message right there and just be thankful for the rest of the day for that verse, right? Right. He says, and because you belong to him, you belong to Christ. I love that word belong. Anyway, because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit, read this with me, has freed you. The power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. That was our strategic victory. And it wasn't something that you or I did. It was done for us. Jesus put on flesh Put on, put on this, this kind of body, right? And he did battle for us. Look at the next verse. It says that. It says, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. Last week, we talked about that realm of the flesh. So what did God do? So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like we sinners have, right? And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by, the, by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. So I want you to picture it like this. There's this battle between good and evil, right? There's this battle and we are in the realm of the flesh. Remember, put that graph up for me, right? We're in the realm of the flesh. And in this realm of the flesh, man, we're helpless. God gives us, you know, great things in the Old Testament that we should live by and that we can't. I mean, the Jewish people tried to and they're still going to the temple every, every, every you know, week and whatever, uh, however often to offer sacrifices because they fall short. In fact, more they, the more they read and the more they get from the Lord, the more they realize this realm of the flesh is too strong. I can't win. You ever feel like you can't win? You ever feel like no, how, no, how hard you try? It's like, I just can't win, right? This is what last week's message was about. This is kind of part two today, right? And here's the thing. So God won for you. Come on. 
So God says, listen, Brad, I know you can't win on your own. So I'm going to do something for you. I'm going to come into the same body you you have, the rest of humanity has. And in that body, in Christ, I'm going to defeat the enemy one-on-one. I'm going to take him on, right? I'm going to provide that strategic victory for the rest of you guys. Now you're going to come behind me. You're going to go into Christ, and I'm going to take you on into heaven, brother. Come on. That's what it's about, right? So this is a strategic victory that Jesus wins for us. A strategic moment. Like if you're looking at, looking at a football uh, play, right? It's like the big hit. Like Jesus just took him out, right? Come on. That should get you excited, right? right? Um, or it's the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the slam dunk. It's the touchdown. It's whatever you want to look at. But here's the point. That right there is just the start of the momentum shift. You see, the point is, guys, we, can, we need Jesus to do what he did. Absolutely. But now it's our turn to enter into that victory or not. It's our point. It's our, it's our invitation now. He has won that initial strategic victory. And now the momentum is swinging for us to enter into Jesus and be taken into victory with him or not. And that's what today is really about. Our hope lies in the realm of the spirit. So I want to I want to ask this question. This is what the, the entire day is about. How do we keep this momentum? If you're a Jesus follower, you know you've received the Holy Spirit. And you maybe when you first received Jesus, you remember like what that felt like. You just you remember really feeling like you just moved over, new residence, right? A new new address spiritually that you have now the Holy Spirit. And maybe you at first felt like, man, things were changing. Like, wow, I, I sense like this freedom for my sin, I, like a load off of my shoulders. But here's my question. How do we keep that momentum? How do we do that? And that, there's a really important verse. We're going to spend the rest of today really in, in Romans chapter 12. So if you have your Bible, I want you to be there. But I want to look at this passage and really talk about how do you keep your momentum? Let's all say, keep your momentum. Go. Let's go. Okay. So Romans chapter 12, look at verse 11. He says this. He says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Today we're saying keep your spiritual momentum. That's really what it is. Okay. Serving the Lord. I want to kind of break this verse down for a second. Biblical scholar F.F. Bruce, he says the second phrase, keep your spiritual fervor, could also be translated like this. Be aglow with the Spirit. Be aglow with the Spirit. Let me ask you a question. When somebody has really got momentum behind them, there's a phrase we use sometimes to describe it. Who knows what it is? They're on fire, right? Yeah, exactly. Right? It, could be, it could be that maybe they're in sales and they just are on a hot streak. Like, man, this guy's on fire. Or he's Everything he shoots is just nothing but net, right? Or everything is thrown at him. He catches, you know, Odell Beckham, right? He's on fire, right? We, we say that. Look at what the text is saying, friends. When Paul says, keep your spiritual fervor, he's saying, stay on fire. Guys, this is so critical right now. This passage is actually saying that the Holy Spirit is like a fire that's lit inside of you And it's your job and my job to keep that fire going. I want you to to hear that. And I want that to hit you a second. Keep wood on the fire that he lit. 
It goes, this, this word fervor comes from the Greek word zoe, which means boil or seethe. In fact, this is how the, the, the ESV translates this. Look how it translates this verse. Don't be slothful or lazy in zeal, but be fervent or be boiling in spirit. I, I, I love that. That's, this is not a suggestion. It's not, a, it's not, a, it's not like kind of like a, like a, a good idea. This is in, a, in, in the imperative tense. Paul is saying, this is what you need to do. He's saying, get on fire for Jesus, bro. This is my translation, okay? <laughs> right? He's like, hey, hey, let that fire burn. Serve the Lord. In fact, um, another scholar, his name is James Dunn. He says, he says that what Paul is really saying in this text is that we need to work at getting excited, and so I think this is kind of funny. And he even mentions this in his commentary. It's a, little, it's a little funny to tell someone you need to work at getting excited, right? You're either excited or you're not. But truly, <laughs> that isn't always the case, right? How many of you guys have <laughs> had a parent say, hey, kids, guess what? Today, we're going to clean a room, right? Like, yes, I see the hands. And guys, it's going to be fun. <laughs> Anybody ever had that, right? And mom's excited about it. <laughs> and what's she trying to get the kids to do? Get excited about cleaning the room, right? And so it's this, it's this kind of funny little thing. But, you know, guys, let me tell you, we're, we are in control over what we get excited about. Can I just say that? We aren't passive or we don't have to be. Guys, we can choose to get excited about the right kinds of things. And what Paul's really saying is, hey, man, don't get lazy here, bro. In, fa- in fact, just... You let, that fire, you let that fire burn. Get excited about Jesus because there's a whole lot of good reason to be excited about Jesus because one day King Jesus is coming back and his reward is with him and there's a fire in his eye and a reward in his hand for those who are faithful to the king because one day that king is gonna come and every knee is gonna bow and every tongue is gonna confess and I guarantee you, brothers and sisters, you're gonna have wished you were excited then. But then it's like, you're not, it's not, you know, that now the time to choose Jesus. No, it's the time to reveal who already has chosen Jesus, right? It's like trying to join the team after they've already won the victory. You don't join then. You join in the middle of the fight. Like, I'm in this fight with you. Let's go. I know we're down 28 to three, but the game ain't over. Come on, let's go. We got another half and Tom Brady's the quarterback. Let's go. All right. <laughs> Look how this is translated. Look at how this translates. I like all of this. Look at this. This is how it's translated. Be enthusiastic to serve the Lord. Keep your passion toward him boiling hot. Radiate with the glow of the spirit and let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. I, I love that. I know it's a little wordy, but it kind of catches all of these nuances in one verse, right? This is just like a really good way of catching it. And I love how it's all this, it's both and. It's, it's, it's me keeping my passion hot for God. It's also me letting him do that to me. It's this back and forth. If you're married or if you've been in any kind of long-term relationship, you understand how this works even in that context, right? It's like, I'm gonna keep serving my, my wife and, and loving her and putting logs on the fire of our romance because I don't want that, di- that fire to burn out, right? I'm gonna be enthusiastic about my relationship, even if I don't feel that way sometimes. But I, I, I personally always feel that way. Um, but you know, right? Okay. So how do we stay on fire? 
How do you do it? How do you keep logs on the fire? How do you keep burning? That's the question I want to end with. And in this context, Romans 12, I want to look at the context of where this first comes from, because Paul is saying this at the end of a bunch of things that give us a clue of how to stay on fire. And I want to start in 1 Corinthians 12, because it's the same context. We're going to pull these together, and you're going to see this. And this is going to be a powerful, powerful teaching on spiritual gifts. So look at 1 Corinthians 12, 4. Here's what it says. There are different, different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. So let me break that down real quick. So Paul is saying, look, the Holy Spirit distributes gifts to a church, to people in the church. We're going to look at that in one minute. But these gifts are given so that the church can use them for the common good. But they come from the Holy Spirit. Now, the topic of spiritual gifts being given to a body is also in Romans 12, where we just were. Let's go to Romans 12 now. Look at what he says. Romans 12. He says, for just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So Paul is using this metaphor. It's a metaphor of a body. And he says, look, you have a body. I have a body. And my body has many members. I have hands, I have feet, you know, I have eyes and mouth. And each member, each part of that body has a different function. My hands grab things, my eyes see things, my mouth says things. He said a church is similar. Church is one body, one body. But there are different people, different members, and each member has a different function that they play in that body. Are you following me? This is where it gets powerful. And who gave those gifts or assignments? It was the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is like, okay, I need to give the bo- this body someone that has the gift of faith. So I'm giving that body Chris because he has the gift of faith. I've watched his brother walk in that, right? I need uh, to give this body someone that has the gift of just worship. So we, I'm going to give, Car- aren't, aren't we glad that Jesus gave Carolina to this body? Like, that's amazing, right? Like, thank you, right? But guys, not just the big spectacular gifts, as we're going to see. In fact, every one of us have a role to play in this body. And as we do, we use those for the common good. We don't use those to edify ourselves or to to look at me, look at how great I am at this thing, right? It's about, look, how I can serve you and love you with what God gave me. But he says this, he says that that each member belongs to the other in the body. Verse six, look what he says. We have different gifts. According to the grace given to each of us, if your gift is prophesying, I want you all to read what's underlined, okay? Then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If your gift is serving, let's all read it, then serve. If it's teaching, there you go. If it's to give encouragement, then what do you, you notice in the pattern here, right? If it is giving, then... All right, I got the front row helping me. Thank you so much. I hope you in the back are doing it, right? What's the point? 
The point is, use your gifts. The point is, you've been given gifts by the Holy Spirit for this body. And you need to be using those gifts in this body. Because when you use your gifts in this body, it's for the common good. And there's more, though. There's more here. Look what he goes on. He says, he says, if it is to lead, then do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. This isn't like an exhaustive list of all the spiritual gifts. It's an example, though. The point that Paul's making, guys, is this. If you are in a body and every believer needs to be in a local body, in that local context, you need to be saying, God, you've given me this gift. And in this body, I will serve Jesus as I serve the people of this local body. And I'm going to do this with my whole heart. And guys, let me tell you what happens when you do that. When you actually say, okay, let's say your gift is generosity for a second. And you know that you've been gifted by God. Uh, we're all called to give, but there are some people that have these grace of giving. They just do. And, and, and you are nudged by the Spirit to give something to someone. And you say, okay, Lord, I don't know. I, I think I'm hearing this. So I'm going to act in faith. I'm going to walk out. I'm going to give this to somebody. And then they tell you something like, how in the world did you know I needed that? Like, that was the exact dollar amount, right? That I was short on rent or whatever, right? It's in those moments when you actually take those steps of faith and you use your spiritual gift, or maybe it's prophecy. I, I love that because sometimes you just get this word and you're just like, Lord, I feel like I'm supposed to say something to someone else. And you walk up to them and you say, you know, I just sense the spirit wants me to say this to you. And the other person's like, I cannot believe you're telling me that. I, you don't realize, but just last night I was telling God, God, I need to know you're there. And, and, and I'm really in this, 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 this lonely place. And what you told me just now was exactly what I was praying for. Guys, in those moments, let me tell you, you are seeing the Holy Spirit at work in and through your life. And let me ask you this. How many, raise your hand, have you ever took a step and seen God use you in even a small way in the life of someone else? Raise your hand. That's about everybody in the room if you're a follower. Check this out. Let me ask you a question. What did that do to your faith? What did that do to the Spirit inside of you? What did that do to that fire that was maybe kind of burning, but then you saw that happen? Come on, what happens? Guys, you know what happens? That fire starts glowing hot. You're like, oh man, there's nothing like just saying, Jesus, man, to use me in that special way to encourage somebody else. That's, that's how the fire starts to burn in your life. Look what he goes on. He says, he says in verse nine, he says, love must be sincere. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. And then the next verse is the verse we studied earlier. Look at it. Never be lacking in zeal. So where are we at? Here's where we're at in, in this message. We're, at, we're, we're in this idea of momentum. And momentum can shift. It can shift one way or the other way. We see this in all these different examples. But momentum can shift in your spiritual life too. And as a Jesus follower, I'm, I'm called to enter into the strategic victory that Jesus has won. But follow me here. And then Jesus has, through his Holy Spirit, given me gifts that I am then to use in a body. And when I do that, I am serving the Lord 
and my spiritual fire is starting to burn hotter and hotter. Y'all tracking with me here. But now I want to talk about the other side of the coin. Because sometimes instead of keeping my momentum and fueling my fire, I do the exact opposite. There's a passage in, the, uh, in one of the letters Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and he says these words, and these are haunting words. I wish it wasn't in the Bible. He says, do not quench the Spirit. Don't put water on the fire of the Holy Spirit is what he's saying. The reason why I wish that wasn't in scripture is I wish it wasn't possible to do that. Can I just be real with you? I just wish I didn't have the power to do that in my own life. But guys, I do. Can I be real with you? I can, I can quench the spirit. I can, I can refuse to obey what God's trying to get me to do. I can stop leaning into what the spirit wants. Instead of saying yes to what God wants, I can say no to what God wants. We talked about that last week about the realm of the flesh and the realm of the spirit. And friends, unfortunately, I might not always be walking in the spirit. I might be walking in the flesh. I might miss my moments with Jesus. Let me tell you a bad example just last night. Oh, I missed my moment yesterday. Uh, So on Saturday night is date night for Michelle and I. And we just, you know, always want um, to protect date night. So uh, we were rolling up to this restaurant um, that we had a gift card to, and it was really dark. The restaurant was dark. I'm like, oh, doesn't look like it's open uh, anymore. And so sure enough, it had been, there was a little sign out in the door. And I was like, oh, that's a bummer. The, the place is closed down. And just so happened that at the same moment that uh, we were walking up, the, the owner of the restaurant was in the restaurant and he was coming out. And I could tell he was obviously, he was like down, you know? And I had my moment to just encourage him. And I didn't. And I was like, oh, Lord, that was, and I even turned to Michelle. I was like, Michelle, I think I missed a chance to minister to a guy who, I don't know if he knows Jesus, but he, he probably would have been in a good state of mind for me to pray for him, right? That was just a chance I had. And I know, I know the spirit was nudging me, right? But I just didn't take that moment. Guys, that's just a small example. And here's the thing. The, the point is, as a believer, sometimes I have that, that, those moments and I turn them down. And sometimes I, I have those moments and I, I say yes and I, 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 say, I go forward. And, and, and every critical moment there is my chance. This is what I'm trying to get across today. Of either fueling my momentum, right? Or starting to hurt my momentum. Guys, what if we were a church that just fueled our momentum? What if we were a church that just said, yes, yes, let's go. Let's go. There's a chance to serve. There's a chance to put somebody else's need in front of my own. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm saying yes, I'm leaning into that. But I want to end our time together uh, really with a serious moment here. Because in Romans 8, Paul talks about the flesh and the spirit. But he does so with always a warning in there. And I want to be faithful to scripture because I want to show you this warning Because let me say this to you, church. Listen to me really carefully. Quenching the spirit is a big deal. It is a big deal to turn God down. It is a big deal to say no. Look what Paul says in Romans 8. I want you to catch this in verse 9. He says, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit. If, if you have the spirit of God living in you. And remember, Those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. 
And so I want to I want to look at that warning because I want to be faithful. Guys, if we're constantly quenching the spirit, right? If if we basically always tell him no, if we're always every time we feel like God trying to like lead us to do something like no, right? That that is a really serious thing. Paul would say, "Are you sure that you have the spirit living in you?" Because if you have the spirit living in you, you should be pretty much living by the spirit, right? Not that you always perfectly do it, but the pattern of our life should be that we are surrendered to Jesus. That should be kind of how our life goes. But if we continually say, no, 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 right? Guys, Paul would say to us, I'm, I'm a little bit afraid of what's going on here. One more verse, and this is kind of how I want to end, because I really want us to have a chance to just meet Jesus right now. Because Paul says something in 2 Corinthians 7 that I think we all need to read. He says, 2 Corinthians uh, 7, he says, if you can go to that verse for me. He says, for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. He says, there's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. Here's what Paul's saying. He says, every one of us, all humans are going to at times get caught up in things we shouldn't do. Like even if you're a follower of Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit and you just said no to him, right? Yes, you kind of get caught up in that. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. Listen right now. If you haven't listened all day, please listen here. When all of a sudden you're confronted with what you've done wrong, here's how a Christian responds. Someone who has the Holy Spirit. It's like, yes, I know. I have been just saying no to you, Jesus, and I am so sorry I've been doing that. Here it is. Look, this kind of sorrow, right, it leads me to, look at this, it leads me away from sin and results in salvation. So when I get confronted with something I've done wrong, a way I've been living, the way I've been selfish, I've been walking in the flesh, I've been kind of doing all those things I know I really shouldn't do as a Christian, and all of a sudden it's like really coming to me. Here's what happens. I, I, I get this, I have this relationship with the Father that I know isn't right. And it breaks my heart. But if when you get confronted with your sin and the bad choices of your life, and the only sorrow that you really experience is sorrow that you got caught, sorrow that maybe you hurt somebody you cared about, in other words, you're only right here vertical, horizontally. That's the only reason why you're sorry, because you hurt your parents or you hurt your boyfriend or your girlfriend or, you know, you, but there's really not a sense of a vertical relationship that's been wounded. At that moment, Paul would say, brothers and sisters, that's not sorrow. That, that's sorrow that lacks repentance. That's not sorrow that leads to everlasting life. That's, that's someone who's quenched the Holy Spirit's drawing. And he would say, you might not have Christ at all. If you read the New Testament carefully, you're going to see this over and all over where Paul's writing letters to Christians, but he knows among the wheat are tares, among the sheep are goats, among those who say they know Jesus are people who don't. And he's always warning and he's saying, listen, bend to the, to the wind of the spirit. We almost got blown over when you walked into church today, right? That's the spirit wind blowing. Guys, listen, when wind blows across the wheat field, 
the wheat bends and the weeds stay standing upright in arrogance. When the spirit blows on a congregation of Jesus followers, we bend, we bow to Jesus. We repent, we let the spirit analyze our lives and God, we say, not us. We will not be proud, we will not be arrogant. God, we will bend to Jesus. We will not be obstinate in our rebellion. We will bend to Jesus. Can I just have our church stand right now? And I wanna call us to a chance to just bend to Jesus. I want us to just bend to the wind of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're already following Jesus, man. You have been following Jesus. And I want right now to give you an opportunity just to keep putting logs on the fire. I want you to keep asking God for more opportunities to serve him. I want you to just say, Lord, I'm not always perfect in the way I try to serve you, but God, I want to keep running the race with joy. Maybe you're in this room though, and you do know Jesus and the Holy Spirit has just been like, I know this is a dumb image, but you know those cartoons where there's like something inside the cartoon going like this, right? That's like the Holy Spirit, like, oh, he's been fighting you and you've been like keeping him down and like, stop. Like, I'm not gonna fight the Spirit anymore. And maybe today's the day for you just to say, I, I surrender again because I know I'm not right with God. We are gonna give our church a chance right now to respond to Jesus. If you've never become a Jesus follower, then today's the day for you. Today's the day for you to know that God loves you so much, that God has done everything that you needed so that you could have him forever. Jesus came, died on the cross and took what you and I deserved on, him, on himself. And he rose from the dead in victory. And so if you trust Jesus, if you make him your king, if you give him your life and you say, Jesus, I know I've done wrong. I want you to forgive me right where you stand. You can invite Jesus into your life, maybe for the first time and just say, God, I know I've done wrong. I don't wanna be cast away. I don't wanna be outside of your kingdom. I want Jesus to be king in my heart, right where you stand. You can pray that prayer. But church, I don't know where you're at with this message but I'm gonna invite us to pray together. Can we pray together, church? Maybe you wanna bring a person forward and you guys just wanna pray with a prayer team up here. Maybe you just feel that conviction in your heart and you wanna come forward and you're not gonna let anything stop you and you're gonna come forward and you're like, God, today it's over. Today is done. Today I walk in, I walk in repentance. I don't care where you're at. I'm just gonna close my eyes and let you move. Spirit move, I pray. Father, move in this place. May we pray with each other. May we continue to put logs on the fire. May we receive Jesus. God, do a work today. May we not kill our momentum anymore. In Jesus' name, as you, as you feel led, would you move?